All right, I believe this is episode nine. Uh, Dirty Mike and the Boys podcast back again this week. Uh, go over some sports happenings. Um, last week's episode, we kind of focused on uh, a little bit of a different kind of sphere of topics than we normally do. Um, dove into some video games. Um, obviously, it was a, a big weekend for Call of Duty fans with Cold War coming out. Um, so was kind of a, a time-sensitive topic for us to dive into, uh, but it certainly won't be the last time we talk about that. Um, however, this week, um, we definitely are going to kind of jump more back into the sports realm of things, um, kind of look at um, some typical football topics, so go over some locks and some uh, some of Eric's segment. I'll uh, do a little quick Masters review that happened this past weekend. Uh, we'll get some brief uh, headlines for the NBA as well as MLB. Both of their um, free agencies have started up. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, before we kind of dive into some sports, um, you guys have any takeaways from your first couple days of uh, playing Cold War? Um, any any positives, any negatives, or anything you guys took away from the first couple days? Um, I'm shocked there's only like six multiplayer maps. I thought there would be some more to those. But overall, it's a great game. Lots of fun. Excited to get more into it. Say, I uh, I definitely uh, enjoyed all of what I've been looking forward to as far as zombies and being able to play with you guys and, you know, just seeing the, the anticipation fo- unfold and all the, the the good things that comes with uh, Black Ops. Yeah, and uh, I think D Machina is just a really cool zombie map. Uh, I mean, it's it's not necessarily straightforward, but they they lay it out nicely so that you can accomplish you know the main goals of a zombie map, and that's just super refreshing for me playing that map. And it's visually appe- appealing, uh, and Man, I could I could play that map all day long. In fact, I might uh, <laughs> if work wasn't also a thing. I think the one of the big takeaways that we talked about um, before we jumped on the uh, the recording was uh, um, they have some server issues to figure out. Um, there was a bunch of lag. Um, there was some issues with uh, um, cross compatibility issues, kind of being able to unable to join parties, link up all that stuff, and those are elements you're obviously going to see in kind of the opening weekend of a, a massive release of a game that people are really looking forward to. Um, but I would agree. I think overall, um, it, it looks to be a good game. Um, you know, the upcoming DLC, that's free. I think that's really going to keep people around for a while. And, uh, you know, the graphics are really nice. From what I've understood, the storyline's pretty well, you know, fleshed out. So it's a lot of things to be excited about. But, yeah, I think it was a, a good good weekend for sure for the the opening of the game so um moving on to sports so we're going to go over um our locks of the week from this past week uh we went two for four um so eric and i both took the victories this past week so eric took the saints over the niners wasn't starting out like it was going to be a, a saints win that's for sure they were in the hole early but uh it's where the niners kind of fell apart as the game went on Oh, yeah. Um, Super Camario. And uh, I took the Vikings over the Bears in what was 
seems to be a common theme for Bears games this year is sloppy but competent. Um, you know, the the Vikings ended up pulling that out, so that's what got me the, the correct lock for that one. But it was a very interesting NFC North battle for sure. Um, Colton and Devin were unfortunately not able to match Eric and I this week. Um, Colton took the Seahawks over the Rams, and Devin took the Bills over the Cardinals. Um, for Colton's game, I think the Seahawks were pretty pretty heavily favored, um, at least in terms of people who were interested in the game. Um, so for the Rams to kind of come out and control that game for pretty much start to finish was super interesting. Um, and that Bills-Cardinals game was just crazy. Um, you know, two upstart teams looking to really break through into the playoffs this year. Um, looked like the Bills had it. You know, they kind of had a, a last-minute score from Allen the Digs. Um, and then uh, all of a sudden, Kyler Murray just throws an absolute just rainbow bomb down to Hopkins, and they just plucked out of the air for a game-winning touchdown. It was an incredible end to that game. Oh, for sure. I couldn't believe it. 36 seconds left, and you just, wow. I, I'm still blown away. There's something magical, I think, about any play like that, but I think specifically there's something magical about uh, Kyler Murray uh, that can't really be explained sometimes. You know, an X factor uh, in a player shines through in a moment like that, and uh, man, it's it's pretty incredible. Agreed. I think that was one of those games where you kind of expected it to be a, a crazy game um, based on all the weapons in there. Um, but I think it definitely superseded what you were kind of uh, expecting to have happen. So definitely uh, a really good game to, you know, have on the Sunday slate. Um, sticking on the topic of football, um, Eric, do you want to go into your favorite segment of the week? Sure thing. So welcome, friends, comrades, to uh, Gardner Minshew's Potato of the Week, presented by Gardner Minshew. Uh, my uh, Potato of the Week happened in the uh, Packers-Jaguars game. So kind of a slow start to the game, but then the play that broke it all open was a deep ball from Aaron Rodgers to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And uh, he caught it, but barely. And he's running, he's running. And, you know, you're cheering, go, go, go. And then all of a sudden, come, coming flying in was the ref. And he puts in one of those just freak sort of blocks and kind of, you know, makes this nasty fall looking thing. It was awesome. But he puts out this, this awesome block and MVS finds the end zone after that. And, uh, and man, it was it it was funny just watching that guy eat dirt <laughs> um and yeah it, you know uh good for one team bad for the other team and we can we can thank uh we can thank that ref so that's my potato this week i think that was pretty prototypical of what the jade season has been so far um i think everybody against them pretty much um and it speaks to why they only have one win in the year so yeah i uh I think that was a very interesting moment of that game, and especially, you know, kind of how the, the Green Bay had struggled through that game, and they did after that point, but that was probably one of their one of their highlights of the, the contest for sure. Um, Colton, you uh, 
you were not pleased. You were pleased with the outcome of the Eagles Giants game, but you were more disappointed in how the Eagles played that game from start to finish. Yeah, I just I don't get the play calling, like what he was trying to do. Like they had Carson Wentz throwing at James Bradbury on a third of his throws, and he's the only guy on the defense that anyone should be afraid of. Like, what are you doing? Especially at the end of the game, it was fourth and ten, and they decided to throw to Jalen Rager, who's being covered by James Bradbury. Go to anybody else in that situation. They were 0 for 9 on third downs in the game. And then, like, do they just forget that an extra point is a thing? Or do they just always have to go for two? Or, like, what's the logic by Doug Peterson here? That's why I, that's why I put him as my potato of the week. Just too many combined reasons. They just, they seem to have fell apart since that Super Bowl run. I don't get, like, the, especially the fourth down thing like man just like fourth and it could you could have said any number un, under 12 and he would have been going for it and it's yeah it's a good potato he he is good potato he is big potato <laughs> i think that game was the epitome of how the NFC East has been so far this year. Um, you know, there was a lot of expected outcomes, but also a lot of outcomes that happened that you're just kind of like, well, what the hell is going on here? Um, and I sincerely do think that the team that wins the NFC East is going to have six wins. And I don't think there's really much other way around it. So, And it's going to be Washington. Exactly. Thank no you chance. to the words right out of my mouth, Eric. No um, chance. <laughs> Devin, the uh, going back to that Vikings Bears game, uh, the Bears defense was really able to hold Delvin Cook in check. Um, you know, he still got his hundred total yards and whatnot, but they kept him out of the end zone, which was super impressive. Um, but Foles just—I did he even look trash? Is that giving him a compliment? Uh, I don't know. I think I think we see that uh, we've seen that the inability for the coaches to be calling the right plays, definitely playing a major factor. And Foles is just kind of feeding into that a little bit. But that leads into my potato of the week is uh, the Bears offense. Only 149 yards, um, of which only about 40 of them were gained on the ground, which is just – I mean, injuries, I get it, but come on. Like, in order to throw the ball, you have to run the ball. And then on top of that, too, I found a crazy stat. Uh, Cordero Patterson has more kick return yards than the Bears have had rushing this year. He's had uh, 787 kick return yards versus 782. (laughs) Big potato. That's a good fact. That's scary bad. It's it's sad because... I, uh, actually, that doesn't like really surprise me. Um, I don't know. This the Bears team starting out at five of one. I don't even know if fluke is the right word for it. Um, but it just it definitely had the makings of it not working out from the get go. Um, and I think changing the the play calling to the OC Bill Lazor was just not. I mean, yeah, it's only one game, so it's hard to you know take take away from that but he just looked like it was just more of the same inconsistent stuff that just did not make it work at all yeah it 
I think if anything, it just goes to show that Nagy is really, really on the hot seat now. Agreed. Um, I'm really interested to see, um, you know, if they if they hold them for the rest of the year, if they're just kind of, you know, going to ride it out and see what happens, or if they they clear him and pace out of there before the season's over, get a couple, you know, potential candidates to help the season end and go from there. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think the what they have in terms of leadership in that team is not going to lead them any farther than they are right now. It's very disappointing. Does anyone have an update on uh, Nick Foles? Uh, because he got kind of banged up by, toward the end of the game and they had to cart him off. There was, so obviously they didn't practice today and Devin might know more about this, but uh they labeled it as a hip back injury. I believe it avoided serious injury, but I don't think there's any more specifics out right now. Yeah, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say he ended up having a hip pointer, from what I heard. Okay, and so Trubisky's still on the shelf with a throwing shoulder injury, so it could be Tyler Bray. But the Bears who have a bye week to heal up, so that's helping them out at least. If that's what you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, that that's a very good point um my nominee of the week is chase young uh ohio state rookie on the washington professional football team um washington i just drove down towards the end of the fourth quarter and settled for a long field goal uh, by dustin hopkins to tie the game with detroit um the lions had uh, a little time left uh they got the ball you know, towards midfield, and then all of a sudden, um, Chase Young was called for roughing the passer penalty, uh, moved the 15 yards to across the 50. The Lions completed one more pass, and then uh, good old reliable Matt Prater nailed a 59-yard field goal at the end of uh, regulation to uh, give Detroit the lead. Um, yeah, obviously, it's one of those things where it's it can be chalked up to be a, a rookie mistake, um, but you just can't have that, especially with. Uh, Washington needing to get six wins this year for, uh, you know, very important reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just a very, very poor decision by uh, Young at the end of that game because they could have easily gone into overtime, gotten the ball, and then just won. You know, you don't know what's going to happen in that situation. But uh, not a good look for the star defender for Washington. Should, should we talk through Washington's schedule to see if you still think they're going to get six wins? I don't think it's really going to no. change, but sure. No. No thanks. <laughs> next. Have you have you given up? No. No, but uh next. <laughs> Do you have it pulled up, Colton, or no? Yep, yeah, I got it. So it's All right, at it's... home at home against Wash at Washington hosts Cincinnati this week. And then next week they go to go to Dallas. So those two I could see wins. And if I see at four. Then you finish the year with Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle in Carolina and then you go to Philly I don't see two more wins I could see Philly and San Francisco potentially don't see it I don't see two more wins (laughs) I barely even I don't even think you beat Cincinnati maybe maybe Pittsburgh will be a trap game or let's not get carried away Pittsburgh rests and preps for the playoffs because they already have the, the North locked up. That's so far away. I know, but that's that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. 
I I'm a I'm a hopeless positive freak. So hopefully we'll <laughs> see this come true. But I I'm I'm losing faith by the day. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But I just want all of us listeners to give you crap for it. That's that, that's fine. They they can give Eric. Just make sure you don't give it just to me. You can uh, put it on Eric then too. I have received the crap. It is in my possession. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you have to hold on to it for the rest of the year. Um, it is in my hands. Colton, uh, lock of the week for week 11. What you got? Um, I'm going with the Vikings over the Cowboys. Vikings, um, I talked about a couple weeks ago. They're getting hot. Um, and the Cowboys are trash. So um, I think that's an easy pick for this week for me. Fair enough. I think, uh, yeah, both of those defenses are not good. Um, so hopefully it turns into a bit of a shootout and we. Uh, um, get a really high scoring game. Um, Eric, your pick. All right, here we go. Um, my lock of the week is probably one of the closer matchups of the week. Uh, I'm going to take the Buccaneers uh, over the Rams this week as my lock. Um, the The Bucks are going to be home and I think the Rams may have found themselves in a position where they got uh, too focused on Seattle, and uh, they might get trapped a little bit by this Buccaneers game. So, uh, plus, I think this is going to be a defensive uh, clinic from the Bucks in this game. So, uh, here we go, Bucks over Rams. I like it. Hot take. Devin, who are you picking? So, I'm going to take the Dolphins over the, the Donks. As Eric says, adults, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, it's two a time. I, uh, I I think the Dolphins are are a team to be to be reckoned with. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't foresee this being too much of a close game. I, I Tua looked really good last week. That Chargers defense obviously hasn't lived up to what it's supposed to be this year, um, but he looked solid, and it looks like the offense is tailored to him to not have to do too much, even though they don't have a a consistent rushing attack. They they do enough to change it up where it's not all on Tua, which is good. Um, contrary to um, the faith, the blind faith that Eric and I have in Washington, um, I have Cincy beating Washington this week, and. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I'm really hoping I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> this is one of those games between two struggling teams where it's either a shutout or a, sorry, not a shutout. It's either a struggle or a shootout. Um, I think the Bengals have looked really good. Obviously, albeit from their absolute stinker in Week Ten against the Steelers, um, but everybody's looked really bad against Pittsburgh, so that's not necessarily um, a random occurrence. So. We'll see how that game goes, um, but it probably won't be pretty, but could have some big fantasy implications this week. So we'll see what happens. Um, so outside of football, uh, we're going to move on to a little bit of a, a kind of a look back at the Masters. Um, so um, it's a little bit of a different Masters this year. Um, you know, it's kind of played in the fall. Eric, when um, when do the Masters normally take place? I'm not remembering right now. April, uh, beginning of April, springtime, they usually take place. So it's close to, not necessarily opening the year, but it's definitely in the first half of the year. Okay. It is the year's first major every year. 
So um, it does open. That would make sense. Okay. Yep. Uh, I mean, the season starts, the FedEx Cup season starts before then, but uh, it's the first major of the year. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so it was definitely weird having it in the month of November, but obviously with COVID kind of messing everything up, um, it was still good to have it nonetheless. Um, Dustin Johnson completely blew everybody away and took the green jacket this year. Um, first player to put up a score of 20 under uh, for the Masters, which was super impressive. Um, I thought some other shocking things that kind of happened um, was, uh, you know, Abraham answer was definitely in the hunt for the first two days. Um, the, you know, he, he kept it together towards the end, but the, the last day he just kind of, he fell apart. He had a couple, you know, rough holes to on the front nine for the last round. And he just couldn't make up ground on that case. Um, he would have had to have played beyond perfect if he wanted to catch DJ. Um, but it was just kind of disappointing to see his fall down the the board slightly after he put together some really strong days um, previous to Sunday. Um, another interesting thing that happened was a uh, Tiger put up a career worst score of a ten um, on, on what I believe was the twelfth hole. Um, was just not. Uh, it, it was Tiger did all right. Um, obviously not as good as he did last year with his, his green jacket victory. Um, but he certainly was, uh, having some, some problems on the course, uh, last, this past weekend. So, um, his 10 to set a career worse in a hole was not an expected outcome, but, uh, very testament to kind of how his days was, you know, were going regardless. Um, the final thing was, uh, the ratings for the masters. So a lot of sports this year have obviously been experiencing some, some lows in terms of ratings as well. So having the masters kind of be a decreased viewership is not necessarily surprising. Um, but the fact that they had a 51% ratings drop from when Tiger Woods won the green jacket last year, it was lowest rated since 1957 and it was the least watched tournament since 95. Um, I think that says a lot. I think people, you know, they, they enjoy golf, um, but I think it may have just been, a combination of a lot of things, you know, the change in season and time that it was played. Um, you know, there was other things going on. It was a football Sunday for the last day. There was college football on, on Saturday and Friday for that matter. Um, there was just a lot of other events going on that probably contributed to that. Um, but, you know, for it to drop over 50% from last year is very, very shocking to me. Um, Eric, you are the golf aficionado of the group. Was there anything that I missed that you thought was super interesting that happened this year no i think you covered it uh the the ratings is uh, you touched on all the major points uh whenever tiger plays a tournament uh it, that tournament gets a bump in the first place um and especially when he's winning one so uh the 51 percent ratings drop from last year is not surprising uh plus a, a runaway victory with dj plus uh having football on for the for the first time uh at the same time as the masters definitely plays into the ratings um yeah i I think you saw a lot of other uh of big names have good solid tournaments just not as good as dj's uh justin thomas played well xander shoffley played okay uh, Brooks Kepka played all right. He really came on toward the second half of the tournament. Uh, the other big thing that I would just notice, Jordan Spieth is trash. He mentally uh, 
is uh, he's not there. His golf game isn't there emotionally. It's uh, I think unless he has some sort of revelation or work, um, it's going to be a while until we see him around the top of a major leaderboard again. But yeah, it was a good fun tournament uh, with how wet the course was with the rain on Thursday. People were just throwing darts uh, on Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday uh, with their iron shots. And that's not something you're used to seeing at Augusta. Definitely changed the, uh, you know, the, the way players were playing. Uh, agreed, Eric. I think the weather, you know, they set tee times a little bit. Uh, so it kind of changed some of the dynamic around. But overall, I think it felt like a pretty normal tournament, even though it was, you know, later in the year. So it was good to have it on TV. It was good to have it, you know, being played and whatnot. And uh, looking forward to the schedule being back on track, you know, sometime soon. Uh, enough of golf. We're going to move on to some quick uh, hitters for both NBA and MLB. We're going to start with basketball. Um, Colton, uh, one big free agent that uh, opted out of their current deal. What do you see happening with Anthony Davis? So I think he ends up staying with LA. I'm just thinking he wants to figure out what LeBron wants to do. Like as crazy as LeBron has been the last couple of years, he's not getting any younger. So I want to see if maybe he only takes two more years and then he leaves or if he just wants to stay in LA because he loves LA and they think they can build around him after LeBron's gone. So I think, I think he does stay put, but I'd be curious on the length of the contract that he signs. Oh yeah, I agree. I would expect it to match up with, um, with LeBron's. I believe when LeBron signed it last year, um, he, uh, um, he had it for a four-year match with no opt-outs. So I believe he was in there for the long haul. Um, So it would make sense for AD to sign, you know, a three-year deal with a player option for the fourth, potentially, depending on what LeBron wants to do at that point then. So, um, yeah, I think it's – he opting out was more of a formality just for financial aspects. So we should see him him stay in L.A. for the long haul. Um, Speaking of L.A., you know, the former Laker, Brendan uh, Ingram, restricted free agent uh, for the Pelicans. Uh, it pretty simple. He's not going anywhere. He was the guy um, that the Pelicans uh, acquired for Davis in that deal. Um, he was great for them. He is a great franchise cornerstone next to Zion. Um, Lonzo obviously isn't that cornerstone, but he's one of those big name pieces there. Um, but it's definitely Ingram and Zion. So I think the, uh, those two will be together for a while. I think that's um, a great up and coming team down there sure. in New Orleans. For sure. Um, they actually just got rid of Drew Holiday. Um, Woj broke some news uh, Monday night um, about the fact that the Bucks were just going crazy. Obviously, they have a bit of work to do to make sure that Giannis Antetokounmpo stays in town and signs the Supermax. Um, he can sign that contract starting the 22nd of November, and that the window goes from the 22nd to the 21st of December, which is the day before this NBA season is slated to start. So hopefully he puts pen to paper and stays in Milwaukee um, for you know the, the foreseeable future. That would be fantastic for the fan base and the league, especially with having a small market team able to keep one of the generational stars. Um, with the Drew Holiday trade, uh, three first-round picks, two um, 
the Pels. So it was the 24th selection in this year's draft, which happens on Wednesday, as well as two unprotected future first-round picks, plus two pitch swaps, as well as Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for Drew Holiday. In a nutshell, the butts got fleeced. Um, you know, it's one of those deals that rivals what they got for AD, but AD is an Drew Holiday. However, uh, reports came out today that the Celtics offered three firsts in the 2020 draft, as well as Gordon Hayward for Holiday. So the Bucks may have had to, you know, throw a couple more pieces out there to make it work. So we'll see what happens with Milwaukee. Um, but they also sent uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Ersan Eliasova, and DJ Wilson to the Kings for a sign-and-trade for Bogdan Bogdanovic. Um, there's no release on what that contract's going to be for him. Probably looking at starting around $15 million and accelerating from there per year for a four-year deal. Um, so, you know, that those are two huge moves that are hopefully going to convince Giannis to stay in town. Um, that starting lineup of Giannis, Holiday, Bogdanovich, M- Chris Milton, and um, Brooke Lopez is very going to be very difficult to stop. He's one of the best in the league, um, but they have very little money to fill out their back end of their roster. So they need a couple bench pieces. So we'll see how that looks. Um, I would be interested too um, how much input Giannis had on all that. And like, could someone like Cole Anthony fall that far? I doubt it, but maybe like a Trey Jones, who's similar like a Malcolm Brogdon, to really develop that three-point shot. He's got that 3 and D type of style that Brogdon was. Might be able to be a good backup to Drew Holiday. True. Um, the problem is that the Bucks only they have two second round picks right now. They have the they got the forty second and the sixtieth, um, I believe. Oh, I'm the, talking the twenty fourth pick. Oh, but yeah, but remember that's what the Pelicans have right now. Oh, they just, that's right. They just traded that one away. That's my bad. Correct. Yep. So no, you're good. But yeah, so they're they're hoping that they can maybe second round. Um, you know, a Marcus Howard from Milwaukee would be great. Um, you know, Trey Jones could potentially fall to the middle of the second round depending on how everything falls out Cole anthony is probably a back end first um but would be great if he did fall um so yeah they're gonna have to take some lottery tickets and hope that one or, one or two of them develop you know kind of in the in the long run um eric and devin you guys were kind of talking about the uh the busy off season that looks like it's going to be for the nets um start with you eric um obviously with kevin durant and tyree irving looking to have their first season together in Brooklyn. Um, do you, as their roster looks right now, without considering any further moves, do you think they can be a top six team in the East? Mm, probably. I, I think they still need, uh, I think they still need a piece. Um, and I think they need someone like, uh, like a, like a James Harden to, to really fulfill the roster. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, needs help, I think, uh, right now to be uh, to be the guy, and they need another piece that can scheme him open a little bit a little bit better to be able to make plays. So I think they still need a piece. Top six, maybe. I think probably around the 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 five the the four or five range right now. Uh, for where they're sitting without anything else going on. I think that's fair. I think the, the East is obviously known as the, the with influx superstars that uh, um, 
seem to be, um, you know, going to the east. It's kind of even out the, the plane surface a little bit. Um, on that hardened note, Devin, what was your reaction when the report came out that he turned down the opportunity to be the first NBA player to ever have a deal of $50 million per season? Oh man, I would have I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Like that's that's a just an absurd amount of money. But um I, I can see a reason why he would want to go to the Nets versus staying in Houston just because, you know, of Durant and Irving being over there. And, you know, obviously he wants to to get it get that ship before before he retires, you know. But yeah, I I think uh, I think another reason why he didn't he doesn't or uh, he turned it down was uh, thought I saw somewhere that there was a rumor that he wasn't necessarily getting along with uh, the front office. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but yeah, I'm still surprised he even turned it down to begin with. It it proves kind of the fact that he obviously doesn't want to be earlier kind of more vehemently, you know, displayed the fact that he doesn't want to be there either. Um, so they could both be on the move this offseason or they both could not move. You know, obviously Houston's got the the leverage to um, ship them out because they're, they're really, really good players. Um, Westbrook apparently doesn't have much trade value according to the reports out there, which is very interesting to me. You know, he won the MVP in 20, I believe it was 2017. So he definitely has a lot left in the tank, but uh It'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I Devin, that's what I heard too. I believe it was some front office um, elements to it. I thought some players were rubbed the wrong way with the uh, political views of the team owner. Um, not sure if that is a, you know, a for sure fact or if that was just something that was kind of thrown out there as a possibility. Um, but regardless, I think uh, the Rockets have a big off season ahead of them. They have a new, um, so we'll have to see what happens but uh you know draft is on the 18th of november um so it's season's just starting to ramp up so we have to draft free agency trades going on training camps all that good stuff so it'll be a lot to keep a handle on moving forward uh final topic for us today uh kind of gonna dive into some headlines for baseball um not as much going on as there is for um basketball um but uh, frequency has been pretty quiet so far. There hasn't been a ton of movement on stuff. There's been some floating rumors out there with some free agent destinations, um, some potential trade rumors going on, but there's nothing been super concrete. Um, today was kind of the biggest day for anything newsworthy. Um, Theo Epstein stepped down um, from leading the Chicago Cubs. Uh, no real set determination of what he's going to do next. Uh, rumors circulating that he might be stepping down to take the job with the New York Mets um, under new ownership to see what happens there. Um, he would get you know a nice opportunity to spend some real money with the new owners who are really looking for um, a championship there. So see what happens there. But uh, Devin, you know, obviously you have Jed Hoyer taking over, which is more than a capable. Um, you know, leader for that team, but do you think there's going to be this is going to be a big off season for the Cubs? They uh, did say that um, it might be busy for them in terms of moving a bunch of players, and everybody can at least be discussed in a deal. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I think it's 
It's going to be hard to say what exactly might happen just because no one really knows for sure yet. Um, I think uh, I've seen Chris Bryant and um, I think Kyle Schwarber as po- possible trade uh, trade pieces. Um, you also got, uh, I think, Baez and Rizzo, from what I've seen, they, they may want to keep them long term. But unfortunately, I, I think I think they do have. In order to to get the pieces that they need, like relief pitching, uh, just pitching in general, even a leadoff hitter, they're gonna have to disband the the you know the World Series team. It, it, it we all knew that this was gonna happen at some point in time. But uh, as a Cubs fan, I, I would really like to make it back to the World Series soon, and I feel like this is the best uh, route that they they should probably go about. You could look at it as more of a retool than a rebuild because I don't think they have to necessarily give up everybody, but money is definitely an issue for them. Um, so we're each going to kind of go through some free agents that we, uh, you know, that are big names, uh, kind of talk about where we think they're going to go, what kind of it would look like for them, deals, money, all that kind of stuff. Um, Colton, you got. Uh, Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMayhew, and George Springer. Which one do you want to start with? Um, I'll go with Trevor Bauer. He, I think, is probably the most interesting free agent. If you follow him on Twitter, every time someone says someone needs pitching, he always retweets it and does like the big eye emoji. So it's pretty funny um, that he does that. I think he'll go to a combined place that who can offer him the most money, but also has the best chance to win. So obviously teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers come to mind first who have that kind of money who are close I can't see him going to Houston possibly Chicago for the White Sox but I don't see that really lining up so just everything combining look at all the teams who finish close to the top I think the Dodgers make the most sense they'll get David Price back next year who opted out due to COVID so I think Bauer will just be another piece to that rotation then pretty much unstoppable at that point, but that's kind of what I think about Trevor Bauer. Do you guys have any other teams that I missed that they might go to? I think he could potentially re-sign with Cincinnati. Um, I think he liked it there, and I think one of the up-and-coming teams, um, but I would agree. I think he's prioritize a, a win-now situation mm-hmm. instead of a, a win-potentially-later situation. Yeah, I think Cincinnati would be a good spot for him, too. Uh, do you think do you think LeMahieu ends up staying with the Yankees moving forward? I've seen a lot of Blue Jay rumors from LeMahieu, but a lot of reports from his teammates and him himself a while ago talked about how much he wanted to be in New York. He wanted to be there long term. So I do think he ends up staying there. I'd be pretty disappointed if he didn't, um, especially like he's our only non-power guy. Right? He can make contact. He can sign base. He was the batting champ for the whole league. And that's something that the desperately the Yankees need more of along with starting pitching, but that's a different conversation. So I really do think he stays put. And then my third guy is George Springer. As much as I hate the asterisks, I'd love to see those guys break up. And I think he does. Um, the White Sox are an up and coming team. I think he can be a huge piece for the White Sox and the AL. Um, seems like the Astros are slowly falling apart. Um, Verlander's not getting any younger. Cole's gone. So I think 
he's be looking for uh, a new atmosphere. Do you think the whole Tony Larusa debacle is going to be a big name for us? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that's just kind of the media overhyping it. All right, fair enough. I guess we'll we'll have to see. I think those those destinations all make a ton. Yeah, for sure. What the, do you the think? Dodgers reload, um, but you know that's just how it goes. Money money talks, unfortunately, and that's kind of what the MLB has been the last couple of years. Agreed. Um, for me, uh, JT Realmuto, Marcel Ozuna, Liam Hendricks. So for Realmuto, um, you know he's obviously coming off a, a a solid season with the Phillies. Um, but there's been some interesting rumors tying him to an in division team. Um, going to the Mets, I think that would be huge for them, not only to secure a franchise cornerstone, but to steal him away from the Phillies. Um, he's going to need big, big money. Um, and I think the Phil or the, excuse me, the Mets are probably one of the few teams willing to pony that up. Um, obviously you do have, like Colton said, the, the big name teams, like the, the Dodgers and the Yankees that could easily be in play for him. But I don't think he, he does that. I think he joins his third NL East team and goes to the Mets. Um, Marcelo Zuna, um, his he, defensively, he's not, not great. Um, his bat definitely plays still, though, so I think he kind of fits more into the de- designated hitter role. Um, the DH is not going to be a part of the National League next year, so it kind of limits the, the amount of teams that might be interested in him. Um, I could see him going to the Rangers. Um, obviously, they already have Joey Gallo there. He's kind of a they're strictly DH power guy, um, but I think they would be able to make up for his defense, you know, for Ozuna being in the field and left field or right field for that matter, um, with, you know, with his bat, I think they'd be able to, to withstand some of those bumps by understanding that his, his bat is going to be, you know, the, the more, the most valuable element of bringing him on. Um, and for me, the final one, Liam Hendricks, um, lights out for the A's this year. We all know that the A's don't like to pay money for players, so he's not going to probably stay there. Um, the Cardinals become a, a likely option. Um, you know, they have Carlos Martinez, Jordan Hicks, but you can never have too many bullpen guys. Um, Hendricks could easily push both of those guys into setup roles, um, and Hendricks could be the, the closer for them. Um, Cardinals do not, sh- you know, shy away from spending money. They kind of had a disappointing year um, this year, um, but I think he would be a, a solid addition to a, a pretty stout team in all the right areas at this point. Um, Devin, uh, Jose Quintana, Mike Miner, Peterson, you got two pitchers and an outfielder. Where do you want to start? Um, I think I'll start with Mike Miner. Um, so the Cubs, uh, since they lost John Lester to retirement, and uh, they're more than, I don't foresee them resigning Jose Quintana. Uh, they're going to need a, a left-handed pitcher at starting rotation. And I feel like that would be the guy that they should go after. Um, and then as far as Jose Quintana, I think the Angels are going to be a, a a really good fit for him, for him just because they're in desperate need of pitching. And uh, the fact that Joe Madden is there, that, that could also play a role in uh, in him going there. Uh, and I mean, also because, you know, Bauer, I don't think he's going to want to go to a small market team like the angels. I think he'll, 
who want to find like a, a a big city market where they're in a win now mode, like what Colton had mentioned. Um, and then with Jock Peterson, I think the Twins could be a good fit for him, uh, especially since I, I feel like they need that that one piece that has been there and done that, you know, just to kind of get them over that postseason hump because. Oof, they got a they got quite the drought going there for them, but uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, Peterson's probably one of the more underrated. Elements. He's one of those mid-range, cheaper um, players that could probably you know get a one to two year deal with uh, uh, the market with how it's probably going to play out. Um, that would be a good compliment to Max Kepler, Brian Buxton, all those guys. I think he he'd be a really good culture fit there, and he'd be a really solid um, corner outfield fit for the Twins there too. Um, Eric, we did kind of touch on Sprinter already, uh, but you also got Michael Brantley and Nelson Cruz. Um, Cruz is definitely getting up there in age. He's the home run power guy, DH Strictly, who is probably going to stay in the AL. Um, but Brantley is kind of that interesting outfielder who's also getting up there in age, but he definitely can still play the field. Do you, who do you think proves their deal to be better next year? Brantley or Cruz? Um, definitely Brantley, because I think he's proven to be more of that clutch type player um, in the big moments. And, uh, you know, uh, you want a guy who can, who can be a leader and also be a uh, a force with the bat. So uh, I, I think he ends up with a better deal. Nelson Cruz just jumps off the page if you're looking for that leadership. Uh, so uh, both of those guys uh, could very well get sort of lesser deals on younger rosters. Um, and uh, for, for any of them, I mean, uh, the White Sox, I think, are a team that are looking to make just that that one move or pick up that one guy uh, for the deal that will set them over the edge and really put them into a playoff sort of position. So I think I think any any player like that is going to be a good fit for for that team. Agreed. I think the AL Central is going to be super interesting. Got the Indians. Door kind of sounds like he's already out of town, um, but no no confirmations on that yet. Um, like you said, the the White Sox have a good roster already. They have a new manager, got some money to play with, so see how that goes. Um, the Twins are obviously a, a really good threat, but have to get over the the postseason hump. Um, Royals are still not not anything to to really worry about, and the Tigers are building a very interesting core that's you know young pitcher heavy. Um, but definitely it looks to be in line for, you know, maybe two to three years down the road. So I think that's one of the more interesting divisions to keep an eye on moving forward. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap it up here? Anything baseball, football, basketball, masters, life related, anything? All good here, Bob. I think I'm good. You guys are good? I'm good. All right. Well, that's it. Um, have a good rest. Oh, wait, wait. I'm supposed to say one more thing. Um, it's another day in paradise, Mike. Ah, yes. Now we can officially end the episode. Thank you. <laughs> Something felt off. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, but yeah, so have a good week. Um, 
take care and uh, hope that uh, you are able to stay safe out there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it from us. So catch you guys next week.